Episode of Boagworld.com, a podcast about web design and stuff. Yeah. So you're smiling already. Designing, right? developing, and managing websites. I've stopped saying it. Yeah. I've stopped saying it. You can't make the joke every week because I've stopped saying it. Right. <laughs> Welcome to Boagworld.com. My name's Paul Bag, and this guy here is Marcus Lillington. Hello. Today. We are going to cover a number of different issues, actually. We're we're covering quite a lot of ground today. The main topic, however, is uh, working with web stats. Um, But before we get into that, uh, we've been sent in a question, so we're going to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Um, We've also got our Techno Buster section, where we look at um, some uh, technology terms that people throw around without necessarily explaining what they mean. And then after our main section, we're going to do a review Right. I think that about covers everything, doesn't it? Yep, great. So let's start. Today, we're going to begin with a question from a guy called Brian. Brian, I apologise, you sent this question about 600 years ago, (laughs) and I've done nothing with it. But I have finally got round to it. And Brian's got a question about Flash. Hi, Paul. This is Brian from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, United States. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the use of Flash in websites and what applications you think it's appropriate for and what it's not appropriate for. Okay, good question. Opens it up for me to waffle around the subject endlessly. Um, If you've read my blog, and actually I think possibly some of my my comments in previous podcasts. Certainly, we've definitely talked about Flash in the past. Yeah. I I think it's an underused tool now. And I think it's an overused tool. Mm, There you go. (laughs) There was a time when it was overused, certainly, definitely. Um, And I'm still getting pointed at sites that are designed completely in Flash. Yes. Uh, Well, there's an example of what you shouldn't do. Yeah, design a site completely in Flash. Yeah. Well, mm, Uh, interesting one. You would have liked the Deconstruct conference I went to, because one of the speakers was talking about Flash. and. And I have to say, open my eyes to Flash, because if anybody has read my blog or anything else... Um, and the podcast, etc. They'll know that I'm not the biggest fan of Flash in the world, and I tend to be quite rude about it. And why is that, Paul? Because I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, I've got a mental block with Flash. I've never been able to get my head around it. I don't know why. Quick, um, quick I- headscape plug. Headscape has two spe- Flash specialists. Yes, to make up for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Because I started. It wasn't like I, you know, I was faced with a very developed product like Flash Nine or something, mm. um, and uh, it was just overwhelming. I started with Flash in version one, mm. right? So I've been, I've seen Flash right from the beginning, but I just cannot. I don't know. For some reason, it, it just frustrates the hell out of me. But. Setting my personal opinion aside. Well, to be fair, though, just to be fair on you, Paul, and to put you back on your pedestal, you okay. are. Well, you used to be very uh, competent um, director user. 
and it's just there are connections between the two. Yeah, I perhaps so, that threw me a bit. Yeah, I think yeah because it wasn't when I first came across Flash, it wasn't director. Do you know what I mean? It did. It didn't do what director did. Yeah, um, and didn't work in the way that director did. And it was a bought-in product at that point. Flash they bought from uh, Macromedia bought from a third party. Did they really? Um, so it didn't even have a Macromedia-esque interface then. Uh, but I haven't got any better with time. I've still been rubbish with it. So yeah, can you remember any lingo programming there? No. <laughs> so I mean, that's a long time ago. Blimey, I used something before that called Multimedia Toolbook, and that was that was decades ago that I used mm. that. That was the first ever kind of multimedia development package. Anyway. Hey, and, we digressed. Yes. What a surprise. <laughs> okay, so. Um, yeah, this Deconstruct conference, there was a guy that was talking on Flash, and I have to say, I was blown away. I couldn't believe what Flash was capable of. And what, what's always confused me a little bit is it's, uh, Flash started off as an animation tool, right? Did fancy graphics and good fo- small file size, and, you know, and, and it was cool from that. And then they started to do action script. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when I started to switch off. <laughs> yeah. um, and... and an action script was all well and good but I couldn't understand the logic of it of of well hang on a minute is this an animation tool or is it something else yeah and 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 I kind of haven't really kept up now this guy at deconstruct basically flash has turned into an incredibly powerful programmatic environment mm. and he doesn't use he doesn't develop flash in flash anymore right right he develops <laughs> in it, notepad it, well, you could do you yeah. can basically program it as almost action script just in Notepad. I mean, he uses various other tools that I can't remember the names of them now, to be honest. Um, and he did some really incredible things. And and you, the, the, what triggered this is you saying to not build sites entirely in Flash. And generally speaking, I would entirely agree with that. But he gave examples of like intranets and internal systems where you can guarantee everybody's got flash good point you don't need to worry about it being spidered by search engines and things like that Mm -hmm. where they'd used flash to create incredibly friendly applications so for example do you remember we developed once um for a travel company an internal system to manage email communications with and quotes with clients i remember it very well yes yeah that would be a really good example. If it was built in Flash, it would be much more responsive than a website. You know, they, they could control that everybody internally had that email, you know, that um, Flash plugin. Um, it's very, very slick. It can connect to d- databases. It can do all kinds of programmatic stuff. So I think that's an example of what Flash could be used what for What about entire development site. times as opposed to a, an HTML version? It seemed pretty quick. Yeah? Yeah. I, I mean, this guy obviously knew what he was doing. Yeah. I, you know, and I've no real frame of reference because, like I said, my Flash is, <laughs> is dire. But it, it seemed a good working environment and produced a really nice system. Mm. Well, uh, we've done some very cool Flash things over the years which couldn't have been done in any other way. Yeah. Um, again, travel company... Uh, work the the interactive map we did or the route planner around the world route planner that yeah we, that um and another company is um that bought out the one we were working on still uses or yeah. still use the code that we developed um and it's it, that talks to a database yeah uh, um, and very very complex if you imagine you've got i don't know 100 airports around the world you've got to be able to program in that from airport a you can go to airports b c d e f 
yeah. uh, JK. Um, and from Airport C, you can go to all of those and those, but yeah. not that one. Yeah. This kind of thing. So it's a very, very com- complicated uh, um, model that this thing had to run on and also be very easy to use. So That's, that's the key thing is yeah. that I cannot imagine a way of doing that particular route planner mm. without having some kind of graphical representation of it because mm. it would just be mind-blowing to try and work out. And there were mm. different types of, you know, there were stopovers and then there were Absolutely. destinations, you know. So am I just stopping in Singapore while the plane refuels and then goes on to, you know, mm. Sydney? There were all kinds of complications with different airlines, weren't there? Different, yeah, diff- different, yeah, diff- different packages. So if you wanted to yeah. go there, then it would cost you more. And you, but you could have some more miles. Yeah. So it Brilliant. needed some kind of simple graphical front end to help people conceptualize a very complex process and that could have only really been achieved with flash i can't mm. think of another tool that that would have been able to do that justice even even some of the cooler um, ajax stuff that's around these days i don't think could have could have really kind of got to grips with that in the same smooth and, and nice fashion that that yeah. flash could it seems that, uh, that flash is very good at talking to databases and and uh, then represent, representing that data um, in a kind of friendly format. Yeah. And maps are a particularly good example of that. We've yeah. Loads. But I think generally speaking, the, the principle that Flash shouldn't be used for entire sites. Yeah. It shouldn't be used for main navigation uh, because if someone doesn't have Flash, they can't access the site. Well, and uh, search engines can't access yeah. the site. I suppose the, I mean, the, the, the golden rule is if you do, whatever you use it for, have an alternative version. So in theory, yeah. you could have flash navigation as long as if it's turned off, you've got Something standard else comes nav- up instead. But yeah. I mean, that just it just strikes me as why. You know, mm. take for example main navigation. Where you do have sites with main navigation. You could replicate pretty much anything that you'd want to do in Flash mm-hmm. uh, for something like main navigation. You can replicate using you know HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. You know, and and. A lot of corporate environments disable Flash. You know, Flash say they've got something like ninety-eight percent coverage or whatever. Well, if if eight percent of people can't use C JavaScript, then it's got to be more. Yeah, I Uh, would say so. And and also, a lot of Flash is also reliant on some element of JavaScript. So you've got to have the Flash plugin and JavaScript as well. Um, so you know, it's, mm, be, be careful when where you use it, where you don't. It's nice for subtle animation, mm-hmm. you know. It, it is good for just a nice banner heading that that animates. But again, don't get stupid over it. Don't cause epileptic fits because you've got this mm-hmm. animation flashing in the corner of your eye the yeah. whole time. Um, it's good for demonstrating complex products, um, you know, like product demos and yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, it's good for image-based applications like maps and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's also quite good. Have you ever heard of Fur? No. Flash image replacement. I, I, was, I said no. Yes, I have, but I haven't got a clue what it is. Tell me, Paul. It's um, it's quite, a, it's quite a nice, accessible. Right. Okay. What sucks from a when you're trying to do accessible design is when you have nice big headings. Right, mm-hmm. and really, you want to do them as graphics. Yes, but it's not great doing them as graphics. You know, you can put alt tags on them, but it's not the most accessible solution still. Um, uh, and it, search engines, for example, can't tell that actually this is a really important header. As far as it's concerned, it's just an image. Blah yeah. blah blah. So there's a lot of drawbacks. So then you go, well, okay, I'll use dynamic text. 
well suddenly you're limited to about four fonts you yeah, know they all look a bit shit they all look a bit yeah <laughs> look a bit shit um, and also of course it's jaggedy edges around the text and you know it just it <clears> just <throat> looks kind of pants yeah what fur does flash image replacement is you put in your dynamic text and then a flash file reads that dy- that dynamic text and replaces it with a flash file right with the same text but at, with whatever font you want and obviously all smoothed off and looking pretty yeah nice. which is kind of cool but if somebody doesn't have flash enabled or if they're using they just a speech get, browser mm. they get the dynamic text back yeah so it's good for that I can think of a few sites that we've done recently that, that could have done good that for. yes I know uh, we we haven't used it actually as a technique mm. in Headscape which is a bit stupid really and I keep talking about using it I think I might be using it for uh, one of our clients um, Dundee University of Dundee I'm allowed to use their name because I've just posted them on our Headscape website okay um, we're doing some work with them and we're looking at using fur and that so we'll try it out and see how it works but I hear very good things about that it does work, work with content management system yeah because as long as the content management system can write the title as dynamic text, then Which, then yeah, Flash can, can pull yeah. it out and do stuff with it. So that's good use, Flash. Uh, and then yeah, like I said, complex animations in a controlled environment, you know, where you know, no, sorry, complex applications yes. in a controlled environment where you know everybody's going to have Flash. Okay, so let's move on and do our Techno Buster section. Yep. Hopefully that answered your question, Brian, about Flash. Um, so, yeah. A usual waffly answer that we give to everything. Exactly. So, this week's um, Techno Buster um, question, which is where we take one of those terms that are knocking around that you hear and don't really understand what they're about and explain them. So, this week we're going to do Ajax. Which is being used everywhere. Yes, endlessly. And And people often um, mistake it for a uh, household cleaning product. Yes. (laughs) Well, I think that's a British thing. It certainly is. But um, yes, it is very confusing. Anyway, so Ajax. What is Ajax and how do we go about using it? Well, basically, Ajax is a combination of a number of existing technologies that have been around for a while. Um, One is JavaScript. Uh, another is HTML and CSS um, and then um, it's basically there There are certain commands within JavaScript you can use that I won't bore you with the technical um, details of it but enable um, Ajax to work and what it lets you do is um, communicate asynchronously with the server hey. <laughs> what's that mean okay um, with, your normal, with a normal website the way that it works is that you um, you have a page on, in your browser, yep. you click on a link or you fill in a form and when you hit submit, it then connects back to the web server, um, grabs whatever information it wants from the web, web server and the web server then delivers that back to the browser. Yep. All right? So it's this kind of cycle that continually goes on of, of client-server um, connection. Um, what Ajax does is it, it does that it downloads that information from the server in the background without you waiting for it, all right, or seeing it or requesting it. So what that boils down to is it avoids those page refreshes. 
you know where normally um, as you connect to the server you're waiting for the server to respond and the page refreshes and redraws itself with Ajax you don't need to do that it's just automatically you know downloading that information and displaying it instantaneously so there are no page refreshes so what that boils down to is that the site responds more like a desktop application than the standard website yep now um, obviously like that, oh what uh, Google Maps is a good example of it right or say Google Mail would be another another example where yeah where you can drag things around you're not waiting for that map to refresh and reload it just it wouldn't work would it no it would be (laughs) unusable yes so it's incredibly powerful and very cool that you can kind of stop people having to wait for their Mm. web you know for pages to appear and you know it becomes all much more responsive and much nicer but it's not without its problems and without its dangers um, the most obvious of which is um, really that it does it will break your back button is one of the very you know worse ones I think yeah but you just can't have that no because Full stop because websites are incredibly hard to use anyway mm. you know every time you go to a new website you're faced with a new interface to use you know new navigation in different places it's all very confusing and one of the you know you have a few basic tools in your browser like your back button and the ability to create um, bookmarks and that kind of stuff Did it break that as well then? yeah it breaks that as well so we may as well just go back to building sites in frames then. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting. Here's the frames example. Um, there was a brilliant article uh, a little while back. Um, I saw it on dig.com. And uh, uh, it basically said, Jacob Nielsen slams Ajax. So I go to this site and it looks like it's Jacob Nielsen's site. And it's this article that talks about you know, Ajax and all the problems. It breaks the back button. It breaks, you yeah. know, bookmarking, etc., etc. And it really sucks. Terrible, you know, bad, 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 bad. Mm. And so I, I think, whoa, you know, <laughs> Jacob Nielsen. I don't always agree with him, but he seems really passionate about this thing. Yeah. Um, I think about it for a bit and then decide, oh, I'll write a blog on it. I'll, you know, my response to what he's saying and where I agree and where I don't agree. But I, so I need to go back and read the article again. Go back to the article again and realise it's a spoof. It's not written by him at all. <laughs> well, it kind of is. It's yeah. an article he previously wrote on frames. And all someone's done is basically replace the word frames with Ajax. Mm. And it, it still stands and it's true. And so, yeah, you're right that in a lot of ways, the drawbacks of Ajax are very similar to the drawbacks of frames. Where I think it doesn't work is that it is possible to work round the problems okay. of Ajax while it wasn't you with frames. You can bookmark, you can yeah. But you need to be aware of those things to make sure you, 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 know, you do them. Because the problem is, is that if you're not refreshing the page, the browser doesn't know, you know, it, it, you're doing everything within a single page, just yeah. pulling data and displaying it in that single page. So the browser doesn't distinguish between the different states of that one page. So yeah. as far as it's concerned, you're just viewing one page the whole time. So if you bookmarked it, you'd only get the first first iteration. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, right. Okay. Mm. Um, so that's why you've got some problems with it, and why some page refreshes are necessary in order to get around those those kinds of issues. Mm. Um, also, the, the other the other quite significant one, which is a kind of user education thing, really, is that users are so used to pages refreshing Absolutely. and having to wait something has happened yeah that that's mm. how they know something has happened mm. um, and so if it just like appears they don't necessarily spot that there's been a change 
So you need to give some kind of visual indication to users that something's altered and, and that something's different. So, I don't know, outlining the changed area with a yellow box or or however you choose to do it, but you need to make it blooming obvious that something's mm. updated and something's different. So that kind of really sums up Ajax. It's a, an existing piece of technology that's been around, a combination of existing technology has been around for a while. It allows you to basically make your websites behave more like desktop applications and avoid having to wait around for um, web servers to do their bit but it isn't without its dangers and you need to be very careful in the way you built it uh, build it and because it's um, relatively new as in it's a new way of building things people are still making mistakes and you need to be careful okay so that's the end of our techno buster section hopefully okay. it was useful Right, so moving on to our main feature for today, working mm -hmm. with web statistics. Now, I have to admit, admit some kind of trepidation over this one, because when I, I wrote out the kind of year's list of podcast subjects mm -hmm. that we were going to cover, I, I just kind of went through um, all of the you know stages in web design um, of, of building a website and didn't really think through exactly what I was <laughs> going to say on any one of these. And uh, it occurred to me that my knowledge of web statistics probably isn't as good as it should be and and I probably don't practice everything that I'm going to preach today either so um, well, yeah I, I looked at the list this morning and thought oh well that's Paul's specialist subject <laughs> <laughs> although I think both of us think uh, we know more than we think we do okay so it's going to be alright really is it yeah we'll manage we'll muddle through yes right so let's let's have a bit of a look at web stats and see what we can draw out of them First of all, why am I talking about web stats so early on? You know, you kind of associate talking, talking about web stats right at the end of the project to, to know how well things are going and, and that kind of thing. Well, because one of the reasons is because web stats are a very good way of being able to tell what is wrong with your current website. Um, so it'll enable you to identify areas of your site that need improving and adapting um, and uh, just kind of give you a better understanding of what your users are doing on your site and what they want to be doing on your site, what they're trying to achieve. Um, so I, you, you might have lumped in here around the same time some usability testing on your existing site and a kind of web stats in some ways are cheap men's use, mm. man's usability testing where it's nowhere near as good but it at least gives you some kind of indication about what your users are doing, how they're doing it and what they're trying to achieve. It also helps with setting success criteria as we discussed last week. That's very true, yes it does because it, it gives you a, a, a better perspective on what's available yeah. to you basically yeah. okay so um first of all let's confirm you know let's get the basics down what are web stats well web stats are basically um based on the log files that are kept by your web server so your um your web server kind of compiles a, a list of everything all the people that come to your site what, what pages they go to what what things are requested and some basic information about them and that those log files can be accessed by a whole plethora of different products out there that help you to analyze those statistics and to put them in some kind of usable format. And everybody's different um, and everybody kind of responds to different things and, and, and help visualize statistics in different ways. So different packages will be right for different people. So I kind of just encourage you to try some different ones and see what's out there. But all of the packages basically give you the same kind of statistics. 
There are some packages that enable you to put JavaScript into your page that gives you some extra details above and beyond the basic things. But do bear in mind, not everybody has JavaScript enabled, and if they don't have JavaScript enabled, they won't be recorded. Yeah. So the basic information web stats give you are things like information about your visitors. Where do they come from? Uh, as in, what's their geographical location? Um, what screen resolution they're running at, what browser they've got, what operating system they've got. So for example, about Boag World, I can tell you that uh, just over half our users are from the US, then there's a really big chunk from the UK, and then there's a few from Brazil and Australia mm. and other places like that. I know that the majority of people that visit our site use Firefox, you know, that kind of thing. It also um, tells you stuff about... Um, the page views that they, um, which pages they view, you know, so when the user comes to the site, what pages do they look at, um, that kind of information. And also other visitor information, things like um, how many unique visitors you've got, because page views are different from visitors, let's be clear about this. There's three, three figures that are always bandied around on web stats. There are hits, page views, and visitors, mm -hmm. right? The only one you're really interested in, or the most important, is, vis uh, is visitors. Absolutely. Followed by page views, hits are a waste of time. Yeah. Right, let me give you an example of why hits are a waste of time. Hits represent um, each individual item downloaded on a page, all right? So a page might include 20 or 30 items. Absolutely. Right? And those are all recorded individually. But for example, traditional ways of building websites where you used to use spacer GIFs and things mm. like that, hundreds of tiny little images that would push the design into shape would have hundreds of hits on the server because of all these little images. Well, it's how, it's how sort of uh, rather dodgy entrepreneurs back in the late 90s used to make out that their site was uh, had millions of hits a month yeah, and all this kind of thing. Yeah, they'd it, put it probably did, but in. they'd dump you know, thousands of graphics per page. Yeah. Same. So, so it's a very unreliable uh, statistic and you forget about it. What you're interested in is page views and visitors. Mm -hmm. Visitors, I think, are the most important, although it's always quite interesting to compare visitors with page views because mm -hmm. you can tell how many page views on average a user is looking at and that gives you an idea of how long they're staying on your site um, uh, and uh, yeah, how much attention they're giving individual pages. So it, it kind of helps you to know whether they're scanning pages or whether they're reading pages mm. in detail. Most package, well, the pack package that we use um, gives you detail on uh, sort of average length of time on pages and all that kind yeah. of thing. So it, most of these packages are very complex. And as we mentioned in last week's, uh, what was it earlier in this episode? I've forgotten now. But um, people have these very powerful tools at, at their disposal and nobody uses them. No, no. <laughs> So, so visitors is good, and there's, again, there's different types of visitors that are worth um, picking out as well. There's unique visitors and returning visitors, mm -hmm. and it's, um, unique visitors I think are really important because that that stops situations where um, where you basically you know, somebody visits a site and they they go away and look at something else and then come back to yours. You don't want that to be recorded as two visitors. Really, that's just one person. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that, that's unique visitors. And then returning visitors is quite useful because it's good to track repeat visitors to your site. And as I've explained many times before in this podcast, uh, returning visitors are very important because um, if somebody visits your site multiple times before they make a purchase or complete your call to action or whatever. Yep. Okay, top 
entry and exit pages are something else that your um, statistics will give you. And in fact, it's usually the same page. It, it, yes. it can often be the same page, yeah, which is your home page. Mm. Um, but it can also give you an idea of what's uh, top entry pages is very good because it gives you an idea of what's appearing well on your search engines. You know, if you've got a, a page other than your home page that's doing very well as your top entry page, then you start going, okay, well, that's obviously a search term that's very popular. It's driving them to that page. One is we can write more on that search term. Two is that we can make sure that page has related links to certain calls to action we want to force the user to do, that kind of thing. It's partially related to what we've done on the new Headscape site with search terms and related imagery. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we actually do this thing where... Um, if because another thing that stats can give you is it can give you what term somebody searched on to arrive at your site and you can actually write code that picks up on that term and then displays associated imagery with that term so in our case when people arrive on the home page and they've searched on accessibility they'll get shown an accessibility banner yeah. to make it look like we specialize you know, <laughs> completely in accessibility so top entry pages are very good. Top exit pages are useful because that tells you where things are going wrong. <laughs> now, it's all right if your top exit page is the thank you page, the thank you page on yeah. your contact us yeah. form, then great, you know, your site's working well. But if it's your shopping basket page, for example, you've, yeah. got, you've got problems because it means that people aren't going through the whole checkout process. Why are they not going to it? Where's the problem there? So you can learn a lot from top exit pages. Also, it's good to look at the route people travel through the site. You know, are they wandering around aimlessly or are they quite it's directed? It's quite disturbing looking at that. Yeah, <laughs> it is, because you find that people go very strange routes through the site um, and are having to look all kinds of places in order to find the information they want. What you want to get to a point is having a very linear process straight through to key information. I mean, it depends on your site. You want a very linear process if you're an e-commerce site but perhaps if you're something like Headscape where you're a service-based company then you expect people to wander more around the site you know to yeah. understand the different things you offer etc and then finally and probably I think the most useful thing um, is referrers in other words where people have come from to reach your site have they come from Google have they come from third-party links that kind of thing and that really helps you tells you a lot about the user because if they're coming from search engine you get search query so you know what they're looking for if they're not coming from search engine and they're coming from another third-party site chances are that tells you something about the type of person they are mm. you know I know for example uh, from Boag world that um, you know I uh, the, the the audience that comes in um, from podcast related sites are very different from the audience that comes in from blog related sites you know they're a different type of person after different things yeah it can also suggest sort of possible marketing you know banner advertising campaigns in the future that sure. kind of thing yeah so so there's the kind of stuff you could get well why are they useful I mean I think we've touched on some of this stuff anyway uh, but it, it, stats are useful because they help you to better understand the users uh, now, whether that's from the stats themselves or from where the users come from and uh, in, in the referrers, it, it just gives you a better picture of the kind of people that are visiting your site. And it can help you understand whether your, um, your current marketing, your online marketing is working or not. Mm. I'll give you a really good example of this. Um, there's one client that we've got at the moment um, that 
are actually attracting to their site entirely the wrong type of audience and they've learned that from their statistics and, and from their seeing the search terms people have searched on and seeing where they've been referred from they're getting an audience that they're really not interested in impressing at all mm. so they've got to make some radical changes to their site in order not to necessarily get rid of that audience but to make sure that they're not the people that are primarily being catered for and primarily attra attracted um, so yeah there's there's understanding your audience there's also understanding your content better knowing what's popular on your site you know I could list to you the most popular articles on Boag World and that helps me to understand what people want to know about mm. and so I write more around those topics in order that people have got more information on that uh, and that will encourage my repeat traffic and it will encourage new traffic as well so understanding what's popular on your site that's brilliant if you've got an e-commerce site because basically that tells you, hang on, this particular product range is particularly exactly. popular. We'll do more of that. Brilliant. Absolutely wonderful. But in the whole aspect of what we're doing here about uh, the process of building a new website, I mean, all, all of this is just, you know, it's essential information for improving the new site. It's not just about making a new, prettier site. No. It's about improving the structure of the site, the content of the site. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got hard and fast information yeah. here that will say well this is why you should be doing this and why you shouldn't be doing yeah. that and you can do other useful things one of the big problems right is um, the person in an organisation that's running the website convincing the managing director or the FD or whoever mm. to cough up the money for the new site and if you can look at web stats over a period of time and you can go well look not only is the amount of traffic reduced over time in mm. other words we're losing people the number of repeat users is dropping yeah. you know the num the dwell time on the site is dropping in other words people aren't using the site as much and you've got harder fast statistics which is a much better and more solid business case than we think it's about time to upgrade our site Dead right. so that's really cool um seeing where people drop out of your site is another really useful feature of web stats because it, it'll give you a better idea of where there are problem areas in your site we've kind of really covered that anyway as Marcus has said, it helps with your information architecture. Also helps with the layout of your site. And how I'm jumping ahead, aren't I? Yeah. On the list. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, I'm <laughs> used to it. I, I, and how site, how a site is actually laid out as well. I think it can help you with because mm. you can uh, even with some packages you can specify um, if you set it up right. If you've got two links on one page to the same page, you can actually differentiate between those two links. Right. So you can see which ones people click on, and that gives you a better idea of how the page is actually, you know, where, which link is more popular and where people's attention are actually on an individual page. Right. Um, and it also helps in, yeah, as we've already said, in the emphasis of your content. Um, finally, I would say uh, don't forget your search results. Uh, I don't know how you've got it set up on uh, on your your server. I mean, different different people have got different settings on their website. But on the Headscape website, we record all of the search terms that people search on on our site. So when they arrive on our site and they type in something into our search box, we record and remember that. Now that's a slightly different type of web stat, but it's still really useful because it tells you what people are looking for, mm. what information they're after on their site. So you can. Uh, if it doesn't exist, you can make sure that you you put the content in so it does exist. If it does already exist, then obviously people are finding it hard to find, which is why they're searching on it, so you make it more prominent on the site. can be very amusing as well. And, yes, <laughs> people type really bizarre things in search boxes. Anyway, 
So that's, that about sums up um, web stats. Not the deepest and most insightful one we've ever done, but yeah, hopefully yeah. it's just inspired you to use your web stats. Send, a us, a, send us a question on what we've missed out. Yeah, because I'm sure we've missed out some really yeah. important stuff. We probably won't know the answer. That would be the trouble. But hey, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Birdworld.com Okay, so before we wrap up for today, I thought it would be worth doing our web resource review. And we've done websites for two weeks. We've done a book. And this week we're going to do a bit of software. Okay. Relevant been, software. As relevant well. software, yeah. Because we've been talking about web stats, I thought it might be worth um, recommending a software package. Actually, you're going to get two recommendations for the price of one this week. <laughs> um, the first one is a product called ClickTracks, um, which you can find at www.clicktracks.com. And ClickTracks is a stats package like so many others, but it's slightly unique in the way that it does it. If, like me, you're a visual person and I'm faced with a, a whole bundle of statistics, it means absolutely nothing to you. Bar charts and graphs. And yeah, it doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Then I think you probably like ClickTracks. What it allows you to do is you can open up ClickTracks as a program uh, and then you can, within ClickTracks, you can browse to your website. And what it will do is overlay on top of your website um, statistics about the various links on the page, how many people clicked on which links and that kind of stuff. So you can follow users around your site and kind of track their movements about the site. And you can even isolate, you know, very specific types of people, like people that have come in on cert certain search keywords and follow mm -hmm. them around the site and see where they go and what they do. And it's a very good way of getting to understand the usability on your website and to get a, a better understanding of how users are interacting with it so it's very useful from a usability point of view so definitely mm. check that out one uh, drawback of it oh go on then. it's expensive <laughs> right yes it's uh it's definitely for people that are doing this corporately yeah that's very true i was going to say that i downloaded the uh the trial of yeah. it i thought it was fantastic and then thought well you guys are using this there's no point in having somebody else in the company yeah using it so i'm underlining that point I suppose. yeah that it, you know it's a kind of you you know if you're in a corporate environment and you know you can put it on business expenses great use this if however you're not in that um group of people um or indeed if you're not somebody that is is oh how annoying is that marcus <laughs> honestly everyone knows that sound yeah um <laughs> Uh, so if you're if either if you can't afford click tracks or if you're somebody that doesn't mind bar charts and graphs and stuff like that mm -hmm. then i recommend you check out google analytics which is a new stats package that google provide now google launched this a little while ago and when they launched it it was so popular it crashed all their servers yes I um so you might you probably can't sign up for it yet um but check out the website which is at google.com forward slash analytics and I think you can sign up for notifications of, of when it's back up and running. Uh, but it's an excellent stats package. It not only gives you all of the information that I've already talked about, it also integrates with pay-per-click campaigns like Google AdWords and gives you information on that. Um, it's very easy to install. It's very easy to go up, get up and running. Um, definitely check it out. It, it's worth a play with. It's a little bit complicated and a bit intimidating when you first open it. But that's a as result. Are most stats yeah. packages, to be honest. Yes, that is true. But it, I mean, it's a result of it being very powerful and being able to give you lots of information. So check that out when you have a chance. Okay, so that about wraps us up for this week. Um, as normal, uh, just to give you a quick idea of what's coming up over the next few weeks. Um, next week is going to be on defining the scope of your product projects. 
the week after, which is the 13th, it'll be understanding. Now people are MSNing you for I'm crying out loud. Exit. I'm trying to exit. You're just so... Oh it's, I suppose it's better than his mobile phone going off in the middle of the <laughs> podcast. Especially mine. Yeah, <laughs> you've got a really annoying ring to you. So the 13th to the 2nd, it's understanding uh, your site's role within yourself's process. 20th of the 2nd, it's defining content management uh, requirements. 27th of the second will be writing a brief, which we've kind of touched on before, but I think it's worth doing again. If you've got questions for any of those, just get them into us um, as soon as possible. Like Marcus says, if you've got questions relating to web stats of stuff that we've covered very poorly, <laughs> then um, send us in those as well. You can send them to either paul at boagworld.com or marcus at boagworld.com. And as normal, don't forget to check out the Bowerworld.com site and there'll be notes on everything we've talked about today. Thanks very much and talk to you next week. Bye. Send me more jokes. Yes, (laughs) desperate for jokes. Desperate for good jokes. Bye. Bye. Bye.